words he said. He caught a head full of lead, left for dead as he bled a river. And the issue was far from monetary. This ain't no time and Jerry. The trauma's voluntary, bombing into the drama's buried. Open your eyes, don't be misled, homie. He got his top pop by the ops for mocking a nigga dead, homie. Cause and effect is the simple laws of respect we all neglect. A karma come for you by then, it's all regret. Peace. You already know who this is. You already know what we came here to do. I am none other than Rashad Nasir, host of the What Up Joe podcast. And today for y'all, man, we got a very, very special um, episode with y'all today, man. On the line, we got, in my opinion, one of the iller MCs that I've heard in quite a long time coming from Chicago. Um, He has definitely had a, a busy 2021 you know you dropped two outstanding projects and in the company of some good people you know and um i don't even really want to take too much time man we have none other than i am god and i'm not talking about myself (laughs) (laughs) yes sir yes sir appreciate you having me on bro what i am with death the mc i am god man um yes sir (laughs) Not like like for real, like on some on some real hip hop shit. Cause you know I like to approach speaking to people as a fan. Cause you know hip hop comes first, and so I have to give that kind of appreciation to you as somebody who consumes music and who is always looking for artists who give me that feel. You know what I'm saying? When I say that feel, I'm I'm speaking about. When I was fucking 10, 11, 12 years old and my uncles had played Illmatic for me. You know what I'm saying? The the first time I didn't heard a, a Ready to Die or fell in love with a, a Life After Death. There was a certain artist that even if you didn't know much about them, you knew that they were special. You heard it in their delivery. You heard it in their voice. You heard it in in just the spirit of the stories that they were telling and you know when i came across your shit man you gave me you you've checked a lot of those boxes you know very early on and i think that it's important you know it was important for me to have a moment and speak with you on the what up joe podcast because quite frankly i created this podcast to speak to people just like you you know and uh, so that moment is here man so, like I said, once again, pleasure to happy, pleasure to have you on, man. And um, let's really dig in, man. I got a lot to ask, and I really just want to start from the top, man. And uh, for our listeners, tell them where you from, man. Where's I am God from? Oh man, I gotta say first, first and foremost, I gotta say I appreciate you, much gratitude for that because that's what that's exactly you know what I'm saying what. That's what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to restore the feeling and give people that nostalgic feeling of when they first heard their favorite artist. You know what I'm saying? So that's high praise. I definitely appreciate that. Um, but yeah, man, Chicago all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? I don't currently stay inside the city, but I'm not far at all. But I'm definitely from Chicago, Southwest Side, LeClaire Court, right off the Stevenson Expressway. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 40, 44th and Cicero, 45th and Lacrosse. You know what I'm saying? LZ crazy. They took the building, but they can't take the memory. So for sure. So contextualize a little bit for somebody like myself who grew up on the northwest side, you know, 
or coming from West Town around Wicker Park, around that area. Contextualize. Give me what growing up in LeClaire Court was like. Oh, man. Um, should I would say growing up like anywhere else in inner city Chicago, you know, we had the, it was the project, but it wasn't the high rises. You know, we mm. normally refer to the high rises as the projects, like the Robert Taylor Stateway Gardens, the Ickies and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was in row houses, you know what I'm saying, two-story row houses. So each apartment had an upstairs and a downstairs. And I, from what I was told, the, I think the hood used to be an army base or something like that. I don't know how true that is, but it would make sense if it was because the buildings is literally, like, right on top of one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, in funny and funny, like adjacent, like real, real tight, you know what I'm saying, yeah. to where it's like little pockets of open area, and then you got buildings that create another little pocket of area, which might hold like a little, a park for the kids, or, you know what I'm saying, a parking lot, or whatever the case, so, um, as a shorty, shorty, you know what I'm saying, being much younger and much smaller, like, when you don't really know about much, like, it, it was cool, you know what I'm saying, it was, it was community, and I definitely feel like my generation was the last generation to grow up, you know what I'm saying, with an actual community. I feel like the black community is, is like it's gone for the most part. You just got a bunch of motherfuckers living in one area one area fighting for the same shit, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like my era was the last era of community, you know what I'm saying? We still had the uh you know, the older lady, the older religious lady that was in everybody's business making sure you mm-hmm. stayed in line as a kid, telling your mama on you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We had rest in peace Miss Abby, that was her name, Miss Abby. We had the black owned corner store, you know what I'm saying, before uh before the uh Arabs took it over and shit or bought it out or whatever. Shout out to Miss Simmons, rest in peace, Miss Simmons, shout out to her family. Um, you know, like shit, it was it was you had your you had your homeboy right across the shit, it wasn't even right across the street. Like it was right across the way. Again, the buildings were stacked on top of each other to the point to where it'd be like a little open pocket of just land, you know what I'm saying, in between the buildings or whatever. Almost like a cul-de-sac, you know what I'm saying? Almost, but it was like, you know what I'm saying? My guy Jeffrey, you know what I'm saying? To the to the left of my crib and my homegirl Vanity was to the right and her family. So, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was growing up like anywhere else in Chicago at that time. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of, I know this shit get, shit got, shit changed a little bit as I as I got older, as I matured a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But I mean the same shit. You had the good times, you had the bad times, the police presence. Motherfuckers hustling, you know what I'm saying? The barbecues, the cookouts, like, like real community shit though. I can remember when the Bulls was was winning championships and shit. You know, my old G, she had a voice on her back in the day. She used to sing her ass off, and I remember she would always like whenever they won a championship, like she'd be outside on the front porch, like the little karaoke machine, like almost on some DJ shit, like singing or just yelling happy shit on the mic, like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like motherfuckers would come through. You know what I'm saying? Party for a little bit, like, and that was it. But it was decent. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was decent. Mm. So what? What era did you grow up in? What were you coming up in the '80s, or did you come up in the '90s? I'm an '80s baby, but I, the '90s definitely. Uh, the '90s and the early 2000s was my formative years. I'm born in '86. Okay, cool. So you cool. know, um, I didn't even get to the courts until like probably like. 89, you don't want to say 89, because uh, I have a younger sibling, well, two younger siblings, but at that time, all you was pregnant with my little sister, who was my oldest younger sibling, you know what I'm saying, and she was pregnant with her, 
school, and I'm like three and a half years older than her, so that was around '89 to where we first moved to the court. Okay. And um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm '86, grew up in the in the '90s and the early 2000s. Right. Okay. See that. See that makes a lot of sense, right? So when I listen, when I first heard your shit, so first off, shout out to my my homie Amby Warhol from the Fly Nerd Group. One day, I'm just you know sitting, I'm chilling. Yeah, I, I, I get a text. It was like, um, you know this nigga named I Am God? Like, nah, who that? Like, yo, go check him out. I think at this time, I think this is when the project with you and um, and Doc had came out, Hell's Angels and, and Heaven's Demons. But when I went to go check you out, I had got in tune with the internal reflection. So I'm listening right, through. Right. I'm like, yo, this shit is next fucking level. You know what I'm saying? I'm going through it, and there was a certain, you carry a certain tone that I no longer hear from a Chicago artist. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You you carry a certain tone. First off, you got you got like real grown man voice going on with your shit, right? And, right. and so then I'm also hearing just the wordage. I'm hearing the, the usage of certain terms like fucking goofy in the context of what you're saying that, Makes me feel like this nigga comes from he come from he come from back in the day like like I'm I was born in '91, so right. like there was certain things you probably seen a little bit ahead of me, but I remember how things used to be and how we used to talk and and the way that you contextualize certain stories gave me that feel that you were a byproduct of that of that '90s era. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so right. as I'm going through it, it just makes me reminiscent or, or or really think about like how far Chicago artists have came, but there's so much that I think that a lot of our artists have lost when it comes yeah. to just what being from the crib really means right. and, and, and those experiences and shit. And so I really appreciate that type of vibe that you, you know what I'm saying? Put out on your, on your, on your music. So gratitude. Definitely. So like like at what age did you start rapping? Shit, man. I got twenty plus in, man. I probably started mm-hmm. rapping initially at around like ten or eleven. I probably didn't get cold until like <laughs> twelve. But no, I ain't gonna I was cold for my my age. I, sure. I put it like this. I started rapping at like 11. I probably didn't get cold until like 15, 16. Gotcha. But I knew early on I, that's when I wanted to do it. So 10 is probably when I first started putting pen to paper around 10 or 11. And like I kind of caught my older cousin by surprise. Cause I got a, the MC I am today, I have to credit him for that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Of course, me doing the knowledge and listening to music and mm-hmm. finding whatever I could find and get my hands on. But my cousin, shout out my cousin, he uh, was part of a, a rap group too, like him and the guys, uh, the faction. Family always come together in, in others' needs. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So they was doing their shit, trying to get on or whatever, and it never really materialized. But they also got a podcast right now too, three blocks from, uh, I think it's three blocks from nothing. Okay, you know what I'm saying? So, yes, sir. So my cousin, Ill Flow, I call him Fluid. You know what I'm saying? Joseph Carter. You know what I'm saying? He he used to take me for the summers when I was a little older, you know what I'm saying? Like around, this is around the time when I got cold. So around like maybe eighth grade, like around 
freshman year, between eighth grade and freshman year. Like I, it was two summers in particular. I went out to Indiana with him because he used to stay out in Griffith, Griffith, Indiana. And uh, he'd be going to work and shit, and I'd just be in the crib, in his crib by myself. You know what I'm saying? And I'd just be going through his CDs and shit. Going through his CDs. This is the era of CD book still. Mm-hmm. So big ass binders with like the 50 pages of CDs front and back. And he was a hip hop, hip hop head. So he had everything from Biggie to Most Def to Rockets Compilation to The Roots, motherfucking Bahamadia, Wu Tang, Nas. You know what I'm saying? Like he had everything coming, like. So it's like I, I was I was exposed to like a plethora, a variety of shit, and and this is coming from you know what I'm saying. Where like this is coming from a shorty that like couldn't really get his hands on nothing because my you know my OG cursed like a sailor, but I couldn't listen to shit with cursing in it. You know what I'm saying? And at that time, I didn't have my own money either, so I had to like watch the videos to get to the music or listen to the radio. So that shit was like stumbling upon a pot of gold, you know what I'm saying? Like getting, being able to be out there with him and listen to everything he was, he had. So that shit really opened me up to rapping different because at this point in time, I was probably still on my Chicago shit. And I say that meaning like I thought I was baby Twister at one point in time. Like I used to rap, you know what I'm saying, in the vein of Twister. Twister was my favorite MC for the longest. Okay. You know what I'm saying? This is Adrenaline Rush days, so it's like 97, 98. You know what I'm saying? Adrenaline rush, mob stability. Yep, speed you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, like all that. And not to mention crucial conflict. You know, they had, had hay in the middle of the barn, good side, mm-hmm. bad side, the final six. You know what I'm saying? Triple darkness, psycho drama, uh, do or die. You know what I'm saying? A lot of motherfuckers, the brat. You know what I'm saying? Infamous syndicate, a cap one. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of us, you know what I'm saying, coming out tracks, you know what I'm saying, doing, doing, what, the, doing what they was doing. And But once I kind of got with him, it's kind of like, the East Coast shit took over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So okay. the East Coast niggas really taught me how to rap rap. You know what I'm saying? Niggas like Jada Kids, niggas like Nas, niggas like Big Pun. Like Big Pun blew my fucking mind. Once I heard that in the middle of Little Italy, little did we know that we riddled the middle, man who didn't do did this. Once I heard that shit and I finally figured out what the fuck he said, I'm like, oh shit, you can do this. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's reminiscent of Twister, but you know, I didn't really catch, I didn't, I didn't respect Twister as a lyricist. I grown to respect him to, for being now. Like I just, as a shorty, he's just saying a bunch of words and it just sounded raw to me because he was speeding with the shit. But like actually breaking it down, like he a hell of a lyricist. And when I can't got on the pun, I'm like, oh shit! It just made me so much better. So I got to credit my big cousin with like me taking that 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 huge ass jump as far as like skill level and, and mastery and and. and the, the, the time and, and respect I really gave to the craft. It's like, I really got on my pen super quick, like yeah. super hard back then. Yeah, that's ill. And see, all and see once again, that makes such sense. That makes perfect sense. Because, like, even me growing up, I didn't really have much of an appreciation for what I would call the Chicago gods. All right. of the niggas who are, like, the real legends from out here who paved the way, you know what I'm saying, right. in, the, in, the, in those early and late 90s. You know, and then you grow, you know what I'm saying? You you get into hip hop and naturally the guys from New York are going to kind of be like the heroes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's New York. They had everything around them for their, you know what I'm saying? For them to be stars and for them to, you know, voices to be heard and to, you know, grow that influence. But when you get a little bit older, you start doing that research. You start realizing like, oh, these niggas is nice. Right. And then you and, and then you start realizing like, oh, 
Chicago really has a, a real untold history as it pertains to hip hop. Oh my god. You know? Cause even listening to you, I'm like, damn, this nigga sound like he from NY. You know what I'm saying? I used I used to live in the Bronx. I partially grew up out there. You know, right. so it took me some time to really have that appreciation for artists here, you know? And I think that once like the the uh, the 2000s rolled in and the 2010s, I, I felt like there was a a fade of those guys, you know what I'm saying, who who created such a foundation. I feel like I feel like we kind of abandoned our own styles sometimes. Yeah, we did because our style was more like, and I'm speaking of like the twister, the crucial conflict, the do do or die, the psycho drama, the triple darkness. That kind of I think call it chopping in the Midwest, the chopper style. It might not be a full double time like Twister shit, but it feels some form of chopping. It's normally sped up and more tempo shit. Like that sound, it kind of never like really got out of Chicago. You know what I'm saying? It was always our local sound. Like it, 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 it traveled a little bit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I hear remnants of it in certain some some of the southern shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's kind of morphed into something different. But at the time, it did travel a little bit outside the city. It did make it to certain places in the South. Like, I can remember hearing, like, some old-school underground Southern shit. You know what I'm saying? And it was reminiscent to what we were seeing from Triple Darkness. And maybe they was influenced by that. I'm not saying the South took nothing or we took nothing. But, you know what I'm saying? I did hear the sound of what I would call the Chicago sound of the mid to late 90s in other places specifically, namely, you know what I'm saying, the South to a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? So I just think that those artists, you know what I'm saying, they never just got, they, they just never got, they just do. Twister was about the only one, you know what yeah. I'm saying, Tractor. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, if, and definitely others to a certain degree, Common, of course, but Common had to, he dipped the NY early, you know right, what I'm saying, because did. that was more of his demographic anyway. You know what I'm saying? But that's, I feel like I just, I just blended them, you know what I'm saying? Because I still, every now and then, pay tribute to the crib and give you a little double time here and there. You know what I'm saying? It's like the joint, the ghost of Cavalier Mitchell. That's mm-hmm. actually an old to Twister. You know what I'm saying? Like, so doing shit like that, and should I even say on the outro, uh, on my soul to uh, Hell's Angels and Heaven's Demons, you know what I'm saying? They say I got that East Coast flow, fried hard, drowning in mouth. So, you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, East Coast niggas, New York niggas in particular taught me how to rap, but it's that with how I was brought up and what I saw coming up in Chicago. Like, I can't necessarily 100% identify with a New York nigga, even though it's the same shit, different blocks, but it's just like, I didn't grow up on the East Coast. I grew up here, so I got to give you my experiences and the culture here as it is, as it was, how I saw it, how I lived it, but definitely the style is heavily East Coast influenced. Right, of course. And then we also always have to mention just a lot of our artists were so heavily involved in the streets that it kind of fucked up the business a little bit. There were certain opportunities that artists weren't able to afford because of their affiliations, you know. I done heard stories about niggas, you know, doing tours and going to town. And if you were, you know, of a a certain, you know, mob or whatever, some niggas at the shows might, you know what I'm saying, might might get a little rowdy with you, you know what I'm saying? Like that shit kind of hurt business, you know what I'm saying, a little bit. And so Chicago never really got out of... That that stigma, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm that's saying. Real shit. So, and that's something that psycho drama used to talk about. Too much for the industry to handle. Yeah. I mean, that's real shit. Like, 
Chicago always kind of been too real for our own good. Yep. And when I say too real for our own good, meaning that like we was really never never able to get business to come to us. We had to go find the business. You know what I'm saying? Now for a, a certain a certain extent, like yeah, but it ain't never really been no no big labels here. You know what I'm saying? Like shit, it was a Def Jam uh, building in fucking in Atlanta. I don't know if it still is, but I went out there around like '08. And went to that motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Like, for shit like that, it's like labels coming to you. Like, we was never, we never really, it's been motherfuckers that came here, but never to really, like, set up shop like that. Yeah, definitely. You know what I'm saying? We just always been a, a city that was, like, too real for our own good. You know, and I got to definitely get some love to, like, uh, Ill State Assassins, Matt Crew, you know what I'm saying, Mole Men, you know what I'm saying, like, EC Ella White folks, like, all of them, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a product of all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have some remnants of them in what I'll do nowadays. So, definitely have to take it back even further. Word. Most deaf. So, tell me about the name I Am God, right? Because before I took a deep dive, you, you know, there has always been the presence or, like, the usage of, like, MCs, you know, calling themselves God, the God MCs or whatever. But, like, as I was listening, I was wondering. I'm like, is bro, like, uh, like, are you a part 5%. of Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I, you just listen for certain things. I hear the knowledge, wisdom, understanding. I, I, I even right. hear it in, you know, just even the manner in which you say, I am God, you know? And so, for me, I was wondering. I'm like, is this nigga saying, like, he's the God of rap? Or is he coming in the name? You know what I'm saying? For the name, man, like, it's been a, a long journey with me and names. You know what I'm saying? For those who might be unfamiliar, I was getting a little, little, little baby buzz, you know what I'm saying, back around, like, 2016, shit like that. I used to go by the name of uh, Tragedy the Beat, you know what I'm saying? And I never really liked the name, but it was my name, so I, I ran with it. But I already knew about an MC out of Queensbridge named Tragedy the Doc. I respect yep, him. Definitely. I think he a legend. And I was like, I had a motherfucker like hit me on social media and called me out about that on a couple of different occasions, like the same motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if he was from Queens or what, but he he acknowledged that I was dope, but he also let me know like, ah, nigga, you ain't trash. You know what I'm saying? There's only one trash, the original. And I, I had to respect it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Thinking to myself like, whatever. The way he came at me, you know what I'm saying? It's whatever, but it's like, he right. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm here to carry on tradition. I come up off what the forefathers saw, and they always told originality. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't bite the next nigga shit. So I wanted to get away from the name Tragedy. And shout out my guy Fable. You know what I'm saying? Westside. He used to call me uh, Tragedy the God. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of was like, how can I incorporate that shit into a name? I want to get away from this Tragedy the Beat shit. So I just took the T off Tragedy. You know, my government name saw with a T anyway. So I just turned it to T the God, you know what I'm saying? He called me Tragedy the God, Young Yahweh. I'm like, fuck it, T the God, but I ain't going to do the G-O-D shit. I'm going to make it stand for something, you know what I'm saying? So I came with the acronym, getting ahead without devolving. So I tried to trademark T the God, you know what I'm saying? Lo and behold, it's another T the God. Who, he ain't been out as long as me, but he a little, I guess, a little further ahead than me, you know what I'm saying? So... The lawyer was like, I, I would just move away from this shit altogether. So I'm like, fuck it. Even though this shit was spelled different, it wasn't no acronym. I'm like, bet I'm going to move away from it. So then 
then I had to think about what the fuck I was going to do next as far as the name. But I was already using this hashtag, hashtag I am God. So like my whole social media presence after rebranding was based off that I am God with the microphone and the crown. So I'm like, what if I just use that as my name? I am God. It's sound powerful. It's controversial. It'll make motherfuckers talk, even if it ain't necessarily talking about it in a positive way. I'm like, all right, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's not just a hashtag or just a name. Like, it's a lifestyle for me. Like, I've really lived by that shit. Because, you know, like, I come from being an individual who I wasn't proud of being. You know what I'm saying? And that whole journey through manhood that I'm still actively and currently on, it's like that shit just sitting back and reflecting like I learned a lot like that journey taught me a lot about who I was who I wasn't who I am now and who I'm still trying to be so I'm like fuck it I'm gonna just use the name I am God you know what I'm saying and it just so happens like you know I used to call myself being GD crazy back in the day the knowledge wisdom and understanding comes from GD lit you know what I'm saying like even though that's that's a part of the nation of gods and earth that's in their manuscript and their lessons as well you know what I'm saying and it's like all this shit is relative, relative, you know what I'm saying? Like Indeed. these good doctrines and some of the texts from different stuff is all being pulled together from other sources anyway. So, but it just so happens that a lot of the shit that I firmly believe in and stand on is principles of a God or a earth or the 5% nation or however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but I definitely want to make it clear because I'm not trying to act like I am something that I'm not to gain a certain type of following. I'm not trying to ride off nobody else shit. I'm not, you know what I'm saying, a five percent. I'm not, you know what I'm saying, a God or a part of the nation of gods and earth earth, you know what I'm saying? But respect to them, definitely much respect. And I didn't know until like recently that a lot of the shit that I was really on was like actually indoctrinated in their belief, you know what I'm saying, in their lesson. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't even put two and two together about like I knew they was a nation of gods and earth and they called each other God. I mean I'm a big Wu Tang fan, so I understood it. But I've never heard it like I am God. So I didn't know that they would draw from that when I came out as that. But, you know what I'm saying, I had a few people hit me up like, damn, I thought you was, you know what I'm saying, 5%. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, you know what I'm saying? I don't even want to play with it like I am. For sure. But that's just, that's just a life a, a life mantra for me. So when you break it down, it actually translates, I am God translates into I am getting ahead without revolving. Yep. So basically what that means is I'm not going to allow myself to sell myself short to get ahead, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? I'm not wearing no skirts, I'm not wearing a dress, I'm not carrying a purse. I'm not doing nothing that I don't deem respectful to myself to get ahead or to get some sort of quote-unquote success. If I can't look in the mirror and be happy with the person and the individual I see and be content with that person as, as far as how I got whatever I'm going to get in the future, then I ain't doing it. You know what I'm saying? So sure. I am getting ahead without devolving. Definitely, yeah, that's sound. But even coming from Chicago, you know, the Nation of Islam had, you know, had some of the heaviest presence here. And even, oh, yeah. and even when you start dealing with those five percent of lessons, like you know, that shit comes out the mosque too. You know what I'm saying? So, right. it's it, it's some of ours too. You know what I'm saying? These are stories that are a tad bit untold. You know what I'm saying? But right. but if you know, you know. Right. You know what I'm saying that's really all that needs to be said. So we definitely appreciate you for sharing that. Um, so let's talk about that first project. Let's talk about like when you come to that understanding and you realize that I am God and take us to where, so like, I, I guess I got asked before you develop that particular name, 
did you already have that sound? Did you already have the the presence in which you embody and just and just the lyrical content? Was that present? Yeah, because you know I dropped the first project after coming back in twenty. I came back to rap. I quit around like twenty seventeen or some shit like that. Um, I was just overall disgusted with my place in music, the lack of progress or advancement, and just frustrated with the overall state of music at the time. Like I wasn't liking too much that was coming out. I was frustrated with where I was at, what I, the shit that I hadn't done, the stagnancy. So I quit. I came back like late 2019. You know what I'm saying? Like right before the, the pandemic. Like what a time. Um, like November 2019. It's like I think one of my first sessions with Doc. You know what I'm saying? He was the okay. engineer who I worked with immediately after coming back into rap. Shout out to only GQ the teacher. If he didn't want to put us in tune. So I come back. And I do a series of like, uh, like my freestyles, just sit in the car and upload them to Twitter and, and wherever else. And um, I'm still going by Peter God at this time. You know what I'm saying? So, and fast forward to 2020, when I put out my first project back, which is actually called I Am God with only Max Julian. Shout out Max Julian. He produced that in this society. I was still Peter God at the time. But again, the I Am God shit, you know, it was more than just maturing as an artist it was maturing as a man like that time in between like i had a different outlook a different mindset on certain shit just as a person you know what i'm saying as a man so you know what i'm saying even though my name was still peter god at that moment when i put out that project that was already i was already on that shit on some lifestyle shit like i'm not i understand who i was the piece of shit that i was years ago you know what i'm saying not that long ago at that time i understand who i was and i understand that's somebody I don't want to be no more. You know what I'm saying? So this is what, this is what I'm standing on right now. You know what I'm saying? I am God. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm manifesting the motherfucker who I want to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that it, it just came just all knowing where I come from and knowing where I was trying to go. So, yeah, but I, it ended up being a self-titled project. When I released I Am God in 2020, I was still Peter God. Got you. Okay. And I feel like each project, kind of have has a great transition into the other i mean the the i am god feels very foundational and 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 this is you kind of like this is your own um self self realization you know what i'm saying right i feel like the eternal reflection was the real message that you had to like give out especially like when i when i look at that cover and i see the picture of yummy on there and right. I'm like, I'm like, okay, he he's talking to us. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And you're and you're telling these these stories that have these details that only if you're from the crib you really understand. But they're not necessarily unique to just Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Anybody growing up in the hood in the ghetto can can definitely understand where you're coming from. But I Absolutely. think but I think that you perfected it in such a way of describing what Chicago is and what it stands for in the way that I don't even think I've ever heard someone else do. Like, never. You know? Um, and shout out to the homie Custom, you know what I'm saying, who 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 produced that project, correct? Most definitely. Shout out to the homie Custom, man. He produced that in, 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 in its entirety. You know what okay. I'm saying? And that, that was the first project uh, that I put out on Filthy Records. Shout out Filthy Analytics Recording Company, the homie Decay, Dev Key, Solar Five, um, the homie Green Slime, Tone Live, everybody over there. You know what I'm saying? Like DJ Sean Doe, that was the first collaboration 
with me with myself and uh and filthy. So yeah, I, I'm definitely a filthy analog recording artist, but custom made to do that joint in, in its entirety. Like he provided that that backdrop for me to get that shit off. And that project was residual uh leftover debris from twenty twenty. You know what I'm saying? That was the first project of twenty twenty one. You know, it's kinda like I am God was the beginning of that. You know what I'm saying? Because twenty twenty was Besides the pandemic, with everybody being in the crib, we was able to see America for what it never really grew out of. You know what I'm saying? Like, racism was just, like, toned down for, like, the last few decades. You know what I'm saying? Like, 2020 and the whole pandemic and with Trump being in office kind of, like, pulled the, the Klansman curtain from, pulled motherfuckers from behind the Klansman curtain, so to speak, and, and it reminded us that no, nah, motherfuckers still feel the way that they always felt. Yep. They just been a little politically correct with it for the last few years. But you know what I'm saying? Trump being in office really gave motherfuckers uh, a battery in their back to kind of express themselves and a racism and a racist concepts and ideologies, ideologies exactly how they wanted to. So, you know, with creating I Am God, like, that was in the midst of it, but I was almost finished with it when that shit started ramping up. So that's why you get maybe one or two tracks. You got like the spook who stepped in the booth mm-hmm. from that I Am God project, which deals directly with racism and a black plight in America. But then fast forward to the eternal reflection, that was direct result of the shit I was seeing. The whole concept, whether it was, you know what I'm saying, like the, the, um, the intro and like the interlude, the King speaks. That's my homie Kendall Green. Shout out to him. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like he did a Facebook live after FBG Duck got killed, and all those sound bites came from his Facebook live. You know what I'm saying? And it's real shit. You would say it's harsh. You know what I'm saying? But it's real shit. Like I 100% agree with the shit he was saying. I mean, naturally, I use it on my project. So that was like remnants of a lot of shit, like direct result of a lot of shit that we was going through in 2020 whether it was racism, whether it was our own ignorance with killing each other and the shit being highly publicized in Chicago, just like a lot of shit, political shit, all that shit balled up into one project. And that, honestly, I went into the eternal reflection wanting to do another I Am God. Like, I just wanted hard bars and I just wanted to rap. But that's just what came out. The beat you was me is what provoked those emotions. And that shit was like divine intervention. Like, it wasn't me. I didn't plan that project to be that way. Like, the concept using Yummy on the cover, all that shit came together on its own. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I was just a vessel used to get that shit out. Um, but I'm super proud of that project, though. In in using Yummy on, on the cover, I have to know, what, what was your thought process like when you was like, all right, I think this is going to be it? Like, was there any hesitancy? Because I feel like Yummy is, is still somewhat... Uh, a story that a lot of people may not be familiar with, but it's also a very, very sensitive one when you think about just how young this kid was and just the kind of shit that he was involved in. Like what, what, what kind of, um, what kind of impact did that have on you? Um, it was absolutely some hesitancy. I almost stepped away from the idea altogether because I'm a thoughtful individual. I would like to say, um, I was thinking about how I didn't know anyone in his family and how a person could feel disrespected or look at that as disrespect. So that played a big part. I even tried to reach out to uh, somebody I know 
to see if they knew anybody, you know what I'm saying, from the family, and they didn't, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, ah, right, you know what? I feel strongly about this. I'm going to just roll with it, you know what I'm saying? I made it a point to not, like, sell nothing physical with that image, though. So if you notice, like, on any CD or the vinyl that anybody might have brought or that album, like, it's that image, but it's broke up. It's like, it's a play on the eternal reflection. A reflection mm-hmm. is kind of like, makes you think mirror. So it's kind of like you drop the image and it's shattered into pieces. So it's not put together to display Yummy's face because I wasn't trying to sell anything with his face on it. You know what I'm saying? It's basically just a cover for the digital, uh, the digital project, but nothing physical was sold with his actual face on there. Um, but it was definitely a, a conscious, calculated decision to use that image because if you're from Chicago and you know, like that, that image is infinite. You know what I'm saying? Um, powerful, man. Just looking into that kid's eyes, man. Exactly. And that's exactly why I wanted to use it for the cover because I couldn't have found anything else to symbolize what I what I meant in the title any perfectly. Like, when I say the eternal reflection, I really mean it. And the eternal reflection basically means, you know, the, excuse me, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So this, this this reflection, basically what I'm seeing, this shit is eternal. It hasn't changed. Like, it hasn't gotten any better. From the days of Yummy, that was, what, 90, 94, I want to say? You know what I'm saying? September of 94? From 94 all the way to 2020, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It, it hasn't changed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's even worse. You know what I'm saying? You would say it's, it's even worse. So, and I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that story when it happened. I was probably like, I'm going to say I was eight when it happened, 94, I was born in 86, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so around, somewhere around that when it happened, but I didn't get on to it till like a couple years later. And I'm like, oh shit, but even it still affected me because, I mean, you know, it's little badass kids running through the hood, but at that point in time in my young life, I'd never been privy to nobody that young running around with guns and being active. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew some of my guys had it hard at a young age, you know what I'm saying? But not at 10, 11 running around with guns. You weren't 10 and 11 running around with guns. And I ended up growing up with some killers. We wasn't 10 and 11 growing up with guns. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was different. It shook me a little bit. And I never forgot that story. And I never forgot that image more importantly. Like, cause that was the image that they used on Time Magazine. Yeah. I had it. On a bill, on a, like a little poster behind him when he was locked up in Clinton Max, and he was doing an interview or whatever. So it just that affected me, man. That really affected me, and you know I thought it was perfect symbolism for the point I was trying to get across the message I was trying to bring. I gotta say shout out to his brother, Car Dave, because his brother actually Car Dave is his youngest brother, uh, Yummy's younger brother, you know, and um, he reached out. He wasn't too happy about me using the image at first, but um. He reached out, I reached back out, we exchanged, num- exchanged numbers, and we had a conversation over the phone. And after speaking, you know what I'm saying, he saw what my intentions was, and he apologized for how he came at me on social media, and you know what I'm saying, he, he gave me his blessing, you know what I'm saying, and I appreciated that, because as family, you can't tell a motherfucker how they should feel, because sure. I didn't, I wasn't able to contact them, I wasn't able to talk to them, they, was, they didn't give me their blessing beforehand, and I'm pretty sure there's been so many motherfuckers trying to profit off that boy and, and that story on some not even trying to reach out to the family type shit. And I hate it to be looked at as one of those type of people because that's not where it was coming from. And um, 
Kade's sister, I can't remember her name, but she wasn't really all that forgiving. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't that understanding, I should say. Like, she had a problem with it. She let it be known. And I tried to reach out and talk to her. She wasn't really having it. So I just let it go. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely had some uh, pushback for using that. And it's understood. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's his family. And she's the older sister. You know what I'm saying? So she had to live through that. Kade, she expressed to me Kade was a little young and he didn't really know what was going on at the time. But she was big sis and she went through that. She understood exactly what was going on. She was of age when all that was happening. So I understand and I I couldn't do nothing but respect it. You know what I'm saying? That's how she feel. I wish I had the opportunity to talk to her more, but she wasn't in it. She wasn't trying to have it. So do I feel like I made the right decision? Yes, because I understand that that's a family, but that's such a, a important story, and I feel like it, it needs to be told, and it should never be forgotten. But the family might think otherwise. They might just want the shit to go away and not want to have to deal with it no more. Right, and that's that understandable. baby. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and that's understandable, but if if you ask me, I, I I feel like I did the right thing. For sure, definitely, man. Appreciate you for sharing that, for sure, man. For the listeners, if you are not familiar, man, 11-year-old um, yummy Robert Sandiford, definitely check out that story, man. It's, right. it's crazy, man. But um, one thing that um, I'm noticing in regards to your project, and we can even eventually start to roll into the, the, um, the latest one, I see the the uh, the habit of locking in with a producer, which mm-hmm. I love. You know what I'm saying? That's really something that you don't see too often. You don't see people like just locking in with someone crafting a body of, of work. I imagine that's very intentional on your part. But uh, yep. explain that that thought process. Why? Why, why is that important? Okay. You, you kind of see it more on the underground uh on the underground scene, like Griselda, you know what I'm saying, Ransoms, the Trust Gangs, you know, stuff like people, artists like those. Um, so it's prevalent there, but on the mainstream level, you don't really, you got Nas and Hit Boy, they last three uh, projects, but it's not really too many more examples that you can, like, give. Um, so it started off as being just something that would ease the load on me financially, because, you know, business is business and I'm not one to try to dictate or determine somebody else's value for their art. I never try to talk you down. If I can't afford your services, I'm going to just, I highlight you when I'm able to get you what you're looking for. But it's kind of difficult trying to pay 12 different producers, $300 a beat. You know what I'm saying? Like that's financially unfeasible for me at this point with everything. Like being an independent artist is the same as any other independent grind or entrepreneurial endeavor. Everything comes out of your pocket, whether that's studio time, shooting videos, uh, time spent, money spent for the commute, you know what I'm saying, beats, like all that. You know what I'm saying? All that is, is coming out of your pocket unless you got backing. So it started as a financial thing. Like, instead of me paying 12 different producers $300 a beat, let me just lock in with one producer, recreate, and shit, everything we make off this shit, we split 50-50 down the middle from publishing the fucking merch, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Albums, I mean, vinyl, whatever we do, you know what I'm saying? And thankfully, you know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of dudes just respect my pen and they respect the crab. And it's like, they, they not even trying to like charge me and shit, but it's like, I'm not trying to take nothing from you for free. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it was always some 50-50 shit. Like, let's just, you were artists, I'm an artist, let's put our shit together and, and see what we can do. You know what I'm saying? So from all the guys from Max to Custom to Doc, 
like it was is is always a respecter. You know what I'm saying? And you know, Doc is my my primary engineer, so it's like okay. that shit was bound to happen. You know what I'm saying? But it it, it definitely it started as a as a financial thing, but I. I thought about. I already knew the value in it. You know what I'm saying? To get a more, it's, it's less of a headache. You know what I'm saying? It's, you get a more cleaner, concise sound, in my opinion. And everything, it, it feels more. Uh, it feels more, more uh, purposeful for me. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes sense. But it's, it's just. I don't know. I just feel like it's not a lot of that being done. And beyond it being something to ease my my load financially, it's like it's just dope. Like it, it's it's an opportunity for me to like give credit to the to the producer who is an artist as well you know what i'm saying because a lot of times like the producer don't get no look you know what i'm saying we into the artists and we say the beat is knocking but a lot of motherfuckers ain't even trying to check with who made the beat you know what i'm saying unless you're one of those producers like with your mike will made it tag or mustard on the beat or something like that and you know but it's that's just me want to give the proper respect to the to the producers as well right Hey yo! Shout out to the homie Doc, man. The quiet, the quiet legend. My Gemini brother. Yo, Doc, Doc, Doc was the first person that allowed me to record my podcast in a studio at a point mm. where nobody knew what the fuck. Like, nigga, okay, you want to record? Like, niggas, niggas didn't even know how to charge me for recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but he always looked out, man. That's definitely the homie. Right, sure. shout out Doc. <laughs> he in this motherfucker right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always working, man. Um, so then we get to Hell's Angels, Hell's Angels, excuse me, and Heaven's Demons, right? Yes, sir. The title alone is just, hey, yo, why you so dark, man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like throughout life, like, I don't know, I've just grown to tap in to the pain. I don't know because it's like I I don't know, man. Without going off into a fucking tangent, it's just always been I'm not like horror movie dark. Like I'm sure. like you can't I see shit for what it really is. Yeah, real and to life me shit. reality yeah, to me reality is just dark. Whether you wanna talk about being black and growing up in America, whether you wanna talk about like government shit and true intentions behind shit, it's just like Reality, like I don't think I ever had a, a opportunity in life to be genuinely happy yet since I was a kid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't feel like I've been genuinely happy for a very long time, and that's not to say anything bad about nobody in my life or nothing like that. I feel like happiness comes from self, comes from within. It's just the fact that I always, I don't know. I grew to attach myself to like harsh realities. I don't like. I mean, I'm a optimistic individual to a certain degree. But I take reality over any and everything all day, every day. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Same. I take what it is. <laughs> it's not a Disney over story. Over what it could be. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, show me what it is so I know what it is. And I could move it accordingly. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I hate when shit is sugar-coated. Like, I had to unlearn so much shit that I was taught as a shorty. It's just ridiculous. And I'm still unlearning shit to this day because it just wasn't the truth. You know what I'm saying? And it's, so it's like, Hell's Angels and Heaven's Demons is basically ex- exposing those who we might look at, look to be good, you know what I'm saying, when it's really a lot of fucked up shit that go on behind uh, the curtains of that particular profession or whatever the case. Like in the title track, I give uh, examples of like 
doctors that don't give the the, the best health care to, you know what I'm saying, patients that, that don't have, like, adequate uh, health insurance or, like, the, the nurse that secretly races and let her black and brown victims die or suffer, let's see, you know what I'm saying, that don't give them the best treatment that she could or, you know what I'm saying, a sexually ab- abusive step-pop, you know, or the Catholic priest that's, that's fucking fondling the, the, the altar boys and shit, you know what I'm saying, behind closed doors. So it's a lot of that shit going on, and it's been going on forever. So a lot of these professionals that we look at as having, as like we default to think they should have our best interest in hand because he a priest or because he a doctor or because she a nurse. Nah, she wouldn't let nothing happen to me. It's a job. Of course, exactly. It's a fucking job. You know what I'm saying? You got a job, that don't mean you stand on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just exposing, you know what I'm saying, certain shit for what it really is and like pulling the pulling a wool from off motherfuckers' eyes. I'm I'm not an individual you can pull a wool over my eyes no more. Like I see shit for what it is and that shit translates into these dark things. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't even wanna do no happy music right now because it's like ain't shit sweet. I have shit to be thankful and happy for. Don't get it fucked up, but it's like Genuinely, this is the shit that comes out when I rap. This is how I be feeling. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely dark, but I mean, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like it's a, it's a necessary darkness that shit needs to be spoke about. It needs to be seen for what it is. Cause I don't, I don't feel like a lot of us see this shit for what it is. And if we do know what it is, we ignore it and choose to play the, the, the sleep role. You know what I'm saying? We act like we're not privy to the shit. I guess it do become overwhelming thinking about this shit so much, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you, you, you got to keep your eyes open to the shit out here. can never get too too comfortable with this shit. Most, def, most definitely, man. I, I got to ask you the question, man. Who are your peers? When it comes to hip-hop, and we can even say just on a local level, who are the people, the the artists that you respect and you know that it's mutual? Oh, definitely everybody over at Filky. Okay. So you got uh you got Death C who came off an immaculate uh project trapdoor, uh you got uh Green Slime last project was Monk, you got Solar Five, you got Tone Live, um the label head the K he a MC, um who else you got uh my guy Water he's just over here in the studio, I, I I really fuck with Water you know what I'm saying to be on the lookout for this shit dropping next month uh order order of the day to return to the cherry tree. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he he's doing the shit. You know what I'm saying? I definitely fuck with water. The homie King 7 from over east. Um, Big Spencer, of course. Fillmore Green. Um, Brittany Carter. Um, so the list goes on. My nigga A-Dot. The homie A-Way. Fable. Uh, Since 9-6. Um, Neek. Um, shit, man. It's so so many, so Good many, company, man. It's man. hard to, yeah. Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, old soul. Oh, y'all love so, Yeah, it's so love many Freddy. of us, man. Like Chicago, definitely. Chicago never forgot how to rap. That's another hashtag that I like to use. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like with the drill shit, with the emergence of drill, like that's what Chicago is known for. Where it's, Chicago always had motherfuckers that that do every style of music that you could think of at a very high level. Like, always. We've always been a diverse city as far as sound. Like, we excel at whatever. You know what I'm saying? But we really have a raw, a raw-ass underground scene here. You know what I'm saying? And I love to speak on motherfuckers whenever I can because it's not just me. And I'm not trying to present myself like I'm the one from Chicago. Like, nah. Like, 
it's, I'm not even in city limits no more. I'm right outside Chicago, but this motherfucker said walking blocks every day that's just as nasty as me, and some I even consider even doper. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the Chicago shit is everything to me because I feel like we never got to plant our flag, and that's what I want to be a part of with this next wave because I definitely think I definitely think it's going to be a next wave coming out of the crib real soon, and I just want to be a part of that to help put Chicago in a place that it ain't, ain't been in a long time. I will say though, man, you are without a doubt. I think, like, I think certain artists are very intimidated by you, bro. I didn't, I didn't been in rooms and I didn't play just shit and I didn't seen them faces. I didn't, see, I didn't, I didn't seen the faces. I didn't seen the the energy and vibe change, nigga. You like boogeyman to a lot of niggas. <laughs> I hope not, cause it's, that shit is feeling that way is super unnecessary. For and sure, most listening to this shit. If there's anybody listening to this shit that's an artist that might be intimidated by me as an artist, there's no need to because don't get don't get me don't get it wrong. Like I talk my shit in the music. Like I feel like I'm the best this and that. Blah blah blah. That's just the era that I grew up in. Everybody was the king of something, the best rapper alive. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just that's who I, that shit is in my DNA. I'm always feel like I'm the best, but at the same time, I'm doing this shit partially for the crib. Like, yeah. I'm I'm not just shouting out Chicago for no reason. You know what Trying I'm saying? Again, right? Again, I'm gonna say it again. I don't even stay technically in Chicago anymore. I'm about forty minutes away. You know what I'm saying? Like, do I still consider myself a Chicagoan? Yes, the fuck I do, because a lot of firsts came from that story. The first time I got my ass beat by the police, I was a resident of Chicago. First time I got me some ass, I was a resident of Chicago. <laughs> first blunt I smoked, I was a resident of Chicago. First sip of lick I took, I was a resident of Chicago. First time I stepped foot in a fucking jail, I was a resident of Chicago. So all that gang banging shit, resident of Chicago. So a lot of we grew up quick. You know what I'm saying? So even though I might have moved at a young age, I'm, my OG moved me out of Chicago when I was 16 after getting fucked up out of police. You know what I'm saying? So born in '86, you do the math on that. I've been outside of Chicago for shit longer, longer than I've been in Chicago at this point in time of my life. But I'm always consider myself a Chicagoan. You know what I'm saying? I'm 40 minutes away. I could be there at the drop of a hat whenever I want. I never really left. It's not like I stopped coming back and forth. All my business is handled out there as far as this music. Like, the only thing I do while I live is live and go to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hardly even socialize out there. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, you can hear it in the dialect. I feel like you can see it in the mannerisms. You can definitely hear it in the music. Like, I'm Chicago. I don't mean, like, I'm the one. Like, no, I'm Chicago. That's, that, that, that city taught me everything I know and I just built on that shit as far as you know what I'm saying the journey of getting older and shit but you know like Chicago is near and dead on my heart it's a lot of bullshit coming out the city but and I don't just mean music I mean the shit that we put each other through but it is what it is you can't just want to be there for the good and then talk down when when the bad like you gotta you gotta be able to take it all on the chin take it all in stride exactly I put up a um, a post, man, where you was like, this next project, I'm walking in the motherfucking crib unannounced, putting my feet on the glass table, going in refrigerators with dirty hands, and pissing on the toilet seat. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> what, what the, <laughs> so what the fuck you got coming out next? <laughs> hey, What's man, that? like this next one. Because I'm worried. This, <laughs> this next one is just like, 
I said all that to condition the motherfuckers, like, don't expect eternal reflection. Mm. Don't even expect hell's angels and heaven's demons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm always, I'm a content type MC. I'm always, I always have something to say. But those, uh, I don't know if you could call them positive, but those things that you might look at as positive, it's like, okay, you're saying something like, it's just a little bit on here, but I'm talking my shit on here. Like, I'm, I'm asserting my dominance on this project. Like, I'm letting motherfuckers know what it is, how I feel, and they going to feel however they going to feel about it. And it's not nothing as far as, like, calling out names or trying to diss motherfuckers. It's not that. But I'm I'm, stand, I'm, I'm planting my flag. I'm standing on my square. You know what I'm saying? Like, however the fuck I feel about my place in this shit, like, this this project, you're going to hear about it. And every project, I'm hollering, I'm the best, I'm this, I'm that. That's just some cliche rap nigga shit at this point in time but sure. this project is you talk about dark it's, it's dark but in a a menacing way in a terrorizing way like I'm terrorizing motherfuckers on the shit you know what I'm saying like I, I can't give too much away about it like, it's done but it's probably gonna see the light of day to like damn near mid 2022 I have plans on maybe February or March but it's looking like it's probably gonna be like April you know what I'm saying so this project is is motherfuckers gonna see you, but I hold true. I stand on that tweet. Is is this project coming up another lock in with a producer? Yep. Okay. Yep. The homie uh I don't even wanna I don't even wanna say it was produced by. Yeah, he, you he's good. relatively unknown. We'll he's relatively unknown, but yeah. but yeah, like he dope. He, he motherfuckers gonna be gonna tap in and see what else he got coming out after this project. Cause mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it's a lot of the shit that's reminiscent. If you a fan of the woo and that mid to late 90 RZA sound, a lot of that shit, he embodied that shit. I don't know how the fuck he did it, but this nigga, he got a lot of that old, dusty, dirty RZA in, in his shit, you know what I'm saying? So it's a few of those on this, on this shit. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know what I'm saying? I'm excited about it. Definitely, man. Looking forward to that, man. And I got one more question for you, man. If, if you had an opportunity to gain a listener off of one, off of one song, out of any of your projects, which one do you think that would be? If you can just pick one and be like, hit this out, you're going to love it. Man, that's tough. <laughs> let me see. Let me scroll the mental Rolodex real quick. Because for me, Man, it was tough. Honor Me. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he's serious. I ain't mad at that. Yeah, Honor Me. I can definitely see Honor Me. Um. Because, see, the thing about me is, bro, I don't want motherfuckers, like, I even allude to it on this unreleased project I got sitting in the stash. Like, I'm not a conscious rapper. I'm not a gangster rapper. Like, I have many different influences from many different types of individuals, so I'm a little bit of everything. Like, I have a conscious or quote-unquote woke side to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a, a knowledgeable or spiritual side of me. I have a I don't give a fuck, I'll beat the shit out you side to me. I have a noble, tranquil, peaceful, righteous side to me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and to me that's a perfect embodiment of inner city Chicago. Like we not all savages, we not all pussy, we not all lame, we not all righteous, we not all nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit of air thing, you know what I'm saying? But it's 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 hard to say, but I would definitely have to agree with with Anami. You know what I'm saying? I probably could think of some if I had like some track list in front of me, but I ain't mad at Anami at all. Anami is definitely one of those ones. Definitely, man. Well, I am God, man. I appreciate your time, bro. Appreciate you for fucking chopping up with me while you in the studio with the homie, man. 
Um, I look forward to whatever you got coming out in 2022, my G. And uh, I wish you all the best, man. You definitely got all the love and support from the What Up Joe podcast and myself personally, man. Much gratitude, bro. I appreciate you reaching out, having me on your platform and choosing to share with you. Much love, much gratitude for you tapping in, for you listening. I appreciate everybody who chooses to like, comment, share, put somebody on my shit, word of mouth, listen. I don't care if you don't listen all the way through, whatever. It's all love. Much gratitude to you, bro. Much success to you and the What Up Joe podcast. And just keep moving forward and putting putting on for the career. Much love, much gratitude. Sure, yeah, man. We'll definitely lock in a little later this year, bro. So we're going to get up out of here, man. I am Rashad Nasir. I am God. What up, Joe? We out. Yes, sir. Love.